It's Bill Wills for Alex at Northeast Factory Direct. He is so confident his business model offers you the absolute lowest price. He's going to guarantee it. He buys in volume, and he can save you big. So he's going to give you the lowest price. And now he's backed it up with a one-year best price guarantee. No gimmick. There are some terms and conditions. So see more at northeastfactorydirect.com. Bottom line is it's going to be a great shopping experience on name-brand furniture at a lower price. Guaranteed now. Northeast Factory Direct, West 140 Street, Cleveland, Lakeland Boulevard, Euclid, Freeway Drive, Macedonia. Online more at northeastfactorydirect.com. had announced their baristas were not allowed to wear Black Lives Matter attire, not because it's Black Lives Matter, but because they don't want their baristas wearing anything that's, you know, controversial or political at all, for obvious reasons. Racism. But... That's the reason, right? There, there was enough pressure, apparently, <clears throat> that they've reversed their decision, and now baristas can wear Black Lives Matter attire, attire and accessories. So... um that's the Mott and Bailey, I think. I mean, the Mott is, you know, you you you, you build. Is Starbucks helped build the idea of we're inclusive. We believe in all this and everything like that. Okay, you've helped, helped build that easily defendable position. And now you're into the, whoa, we're supporting a particular political point of view at our stores. Right. That not all our customers would agree with. Well, tick, 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 ding, up. The first barista with a MAGA hat has just oh. uh, walked into work. And been beaten or scalded with hot coffee or sent home or what have you. And it's on, baby. It's on. Well, and should get a lawyer just to work this out. Because I would like to... What's the answer to that? What is the answer to... How do you, as Starbucks, can you say, sure, you can wear a Black Lives Matter shirt, but not a MAGA shirt? Can you make that argument? No. I don't think you can. You better not. I don't think you can legally. By the way, you have to uh, reset that Mott and Bailey thing again, because it's so interesting. We talked about it like an hour uh, ago or so. Uh, Or as one friend put it, the Bartles and James uh, principle, (laughs) or the uh, another friend, the Mott the Hoople discussion. (laughs) You had a uh, point on that, Sean, because it's an interesting discussion, and I'm not a a free speech lawyer. but If one of those articles of clothing makes the rest of my employees walk out of my business and not work there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, one of these things my business can operate through. Right. One of them causes fist fights by the Frappuccino machine. Well, right, I, and, and, and I can pick a town in the Midwest where everybody could wear the MAGA hat and nobody would be bothered, and the Black Lives Matter outfit would make everybody and walk that out. One they, yeah, and you could probably have but, your MAGA Starbucks but, there. But if you have one person that disagrees, then what do you do? Understand my uh, my expressing my point of view had nothing to do with law or anything like that. It's a question of uh, savvy business, right? Um, but once you permit thing one, Sean, as you point out, in in much of the West Coast, for instance, right. you could everybody could be wearing you know Black Lives Matter stuff head to toe, and everybody'd be like, yeah, fight the power. Um, but the minute you introduce that, you introduce the possibility of the other thing, and then you have to explain why one is okay and the other is not. Well, does the law get involved at some point? Because your employer is uh, no, telling you... as long you, as you serve everybody coffee. No, I'm, a, I'm an employee, and I get to work in my MAGA shirt, and the oh. boss says, you can't wear that to work. You but know, how that's... come she gets to wear the Black Lives Matter? Yeah, that you have to check your local labor laws. Um, but yeah, that probably is a, a fairly serious issue. I know as an employer, I would want I don't want anything political at all on anybody. Do it on I your sh- own time. I just want to sell coffee. Right. Right. Well, they don't even sell that much coffee. I want to sell milkshakes. Mm-hmm. And to people who wonder why they're fat, because all they do is get a coffee. 
I want to sell milkshakes and uh, like really rich pastries. Gigantic scones. Yeah. I don't know. How big a scone do you really need? I haven't With seen one that's been too big. Yeah, yeah, I've yet to come on. No, Shut up. That one's the, I'll stay away from that one. That has not happened to me yet. <laughs> that, that voice you just heard was our producer, Positive Sean, who's quote-unquote trying to gain weight. Yeah, been trying you for a long time. don't get to comment on food at all. <laughs> um, Speaking of things you're not allowed to do at work, shut up, skinny. Nobody wants to hear from you. So in NASCAR, you're no longer allowed to... Uh, be in the stands with a Confederate flag? Or? No no Confederate battle flags anywhere by anybody. Not the drivers or the pit crews or the fans or the, uh, the fried chicken sellers there in the, uh, the the Midway or whatever you call it. Um, and uh, I guess there was a late night joke off or uh-huh. we could do a late night joke. What off I understand. I don't remember the rules, though. So, Jack, just briefly speaking, we will play three jokes from the alleged late night comedians. I will give them letter grades, and uh-huh. the bottom grade getter will be banned from comedy for life. Well, that's interesting. Um, Often yeah, and, when we play these, none of the jokes are funny. Right. <laughs> but, you know, hope springs eternal. So <laughs> the, the uh, late night joke off in seconds after a quick word from our friends at Simply Safe. You want the doorbell camera thing, right? So you can see who's on your doorbell. The best home security system is Simply Safe. Not according to us, but U.S. News and World Report rated best overall home security of 2020. No outrageous monthly fees or two-year contracts, because that's the way a lot of these work. You're locked in, expensive for a long time. And you're going to have to have somebody come to your house and install it. None of that stuff. They're going to drill a bunch of holes and run a bunch of wires and stuff? Forget it. Click a button, order online, open the box, you place the sensors, you plug it in, your home is now protected around the clock, around 50 cents a day, nobody's going to have to come to your home, and how, with a 60-day money-back guarantee, you really can't go wrong. Try out Simply Safe. Yeah, here's how you check it out, simplysafe.com slash Armstrong, so they know we sent you. It's simply, uh, simply spelled S-I-M-P-L-I, simplysafe.com slash Armstrong, again, 60-day money-back guarantee, you don't like it, send it back, simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. All right, Sean, bring it on. Late night joke off. NASCAR yesterday announced that they will no longer allow Confederate flags at their race events. They put out a statement. They said the flag runs contrary to providing a welcoming and inclusive environment for our fans. And a lot of their fans didn't like that. Lots of tweets. You pick the losing side of this battle. Good luck with that. I don't know. I'm pretty sure the Confederacy was the losing side of of the battle. NASCAR announced yesterday that it has banned Confederate flags at all events. But if it makes you feel better, you're still welcome to cheer for whoever comes in second. I think it's really impressive that NASCAR is doing this. Because the Confederate flag is extremely popular with a lot of their fans. In fact, just to soften the blow, here's maybe what they should do. Ban the fans from bringing the flag to the races but then incorporate it into the race itself, you know? So, like, if you win the race, they wave the checkered flag, and then for the loser, they wave the Confederate flag. Yeah, that way everybody wins. Hmm. Similar theme there. Among all three oh, jokes. Lord. <laughs> <laughs> that made me less alive. Yeah, that's not what I needed on a Friday. Kimmel C-minus, Myers C-minus, and that's generous. That's 21st century great inflation. Trevor Noah, D. Not even discernible as humor. That was a steaming pile. That was offensive. That was the tenderloin in San Francisco. Crappy and dangerous. It's a sick wow. I'm through. That's it. I'm leaving. I'm Crappy and dangerous. I'm whole, I'm walking out. You have in the past uh, uh, banned the late night joke off. 
And then I think I talked us back into it. Yes. Well, we'll let the people decide. Huh? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm the Confederacy in this battle, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> I have lost. No kidding. A, uh, the creator of The Sopranos may have accidentally revealed h- how the series ended. Do you remember that? Well, it ended just with uh, The Sopranos sitting in a, uh, a diner. But ha- what happened? And they were waiting for, uh, what's her name, Meadow. And, and then, then my cable went out. And then uh, somebody opens the door of the diner, Tony glances up, and the screen goes black. To the sound of Journey. Correct. All right. Don't stop believing. No, don't. Anyway, um, David Chase, who created The Sopranos, may have accidentally revealed whether or not Tony died. Apparently he was in a conversation with some people. Um, it's his first mistake. Keep to yourself. And he said, I think I killed that off too early or something. <laughs> and everybody's extrapolating that as meaning, oh, stop you it. just admitted that Tony died in the final scene. To which he said to the other people, and they said that, F you guys. <laughs> but anyway, the reason this is in the news, I think, is, and I got excited about this, they are uh, actually working on The Many Saints of Newark, which is the preview, pre- the prequel, prequel yeah. of The Sopranos, and it is going to be it. released uh, next next spring. A young Polly Walnuts. Oh, yes, please. It's the I only can, thing I want. I can't yeah. wait for this. Yeah. It's going to be so fantastic. Uh, the only thing you want is a young Polly Walnuts. Yeah, that's it. Not, oh, man, I'm so excited. I know. I, I read that, and I thought, oh, yes. At what age did he start wearing exclusively tracksuits? <laughs> I need to know that. <laughs> With the white loafers. <laughs> oh, it was a... I, I, can't wait till I'm old enough to pull that look off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. White sideburns when he was 11 years old. <laughs> had, the, had the sidewall, the white walls going at that early day. Right. Fantastic. Well, I'm yeah. telling you, Tone. <laughs> when uh... <laughs> they got no women there, <laughs> you get a free pass in prison. Jimmy, no women there. Chevy Chase. Whatever happened to that guy? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, we'll all need something to watch as the freaking COVID continues to screw life up. Because that's uh, man, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal I meant to read to. Maybe I'll still do that later this uh, later in the show. Um, I, I love when news does this sort of thing. Uh, deep dive on this: how New York's coronavirus response made the pandemic worse. I'll just read the the the, the summary of it and oh get into it later, maybe. Okay. The hasty expansion of medical facilities by state, city, and hospital leaders led to grave mistakes, a Wall Street Journal investigation found. We were grasping for every tool at our disposal to save as many lives as possible. But how moving this people there and opening up this and doing this absolutely beyond a doubt made things much, much, much worse. Now, there, I, I, there's not really villains there. Like, you know, you can criticize them because they didn't, you know, they didn't, you know, they're in, you got hit with a disaster all of a sudden. Yeah, but the idea oh, that it certainly reinforces the fact that de Blasio is incompetent and, and Cuomo is often mistaken. Yeah, he made all but kinds yeah. of terrible decisions that you could say, well, he didn't know. But, but let's not hold him up as the genius savior of anything. I'm a Cuomo sexual, please. There's a reason 28 percent of <laughs> all the deaths in the entire country have been in New York. They made a, a series of terrible moves mm-hmm. that ended up moving People that had the virus into hospitals that didn't have the virus, and then that hospital exploding it. Same with the healthcare workers. Same with old folks' homes. Oh boy, where lots of people got killed. Just yeah, it, it's something. So if the COVID is the reason I brought it up is if the COVID is 
about to explode again. Uh, you know, the the first wave we're in is is going to get uh, nastier. Maybe they maybe every new area that's dealing with this can learn something from New York's response. Oh yeah, and absolutely. Not do, and not do the same. And on the question of defunding or refunding or changing the funding of police and the rest of it, got a note from a former police chief, very compelling. He is, to a large extent, in favor of the idea. Interesting. Uh, some of his uh, his points of view may surprise you, but I found it very enlightening. Cool. So, so we'll share that with you in a few minutes. Armstrong and Getty. Yep, this is how the Sopranos ended. This is also a badass song. Um, reminded me something I heard yesterday on a podcast because we we're just talking about the news and stuff like that. So, uh, James Lindsay, professor, mathematics guy, writes, liberal, writes a lot about uh, critical race theory and everything like that. Anyway, he. Uh, was pointing out studies we've talked about before that the more news you take in, the more misinformed you are. That's just a fact. (laughs) People that take in X number of hours are that much more misinformed than people that take in this much. It just is. Great, because Scott. because most We're people doomed. take in their information through uh, cable news or newspapers that are and and all of the same bent mm-hmm. uh, because that seems to be human nature. Um, that the more you take in, the more misinformed you are. And he mathematically, and he explains how he did this and everything like that. You might as well try to explain it to a dog as explain it to me, so we'll move on. But he says he figured out the optimum amount of news you should take in every day to be informed but not cross into <laughs> either either it makes you less happy or you're misinformed. Mm. And he says 10 minutes a day. Ten minutes a day is plenty to be up on what's going on without crossing into lots of opinion that's either going to misinform you or make you angry. Right. Or the most dangerous sort of thing, the half-truth. But yeah. You're much worse off taking in eight hours of news a day than an hour. Mm, interesting. Uh, we will have that letter from the police chief for you uh, in the next segment. This segment's a little short, and, and I don't want to rush through it. It's just... Terrific. Um, so stay tuned for that, would you? Speaking of taking in the news, you remember yesterday the big story that uh, a co-worker made it absolutely clear that poor George Floyd and Officer Chauvin uh, knew each other, had multiple run-ins at work, including an ugly incident in which Chauvin accused Floyd of shorting him on tip money um, because that's the way it worked. The back of the house tips the front of the house. Blah, blah. He retracted the entire thing late yesterday. I was thinking of someone else. Oh, George. Oh, no, 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 no. Different no, guy. I was, yeah. I was thinking of uh, my, my old job. So evidently that was all bunk. By, by the way. Or it was secondhand or, or it was a rumor or something. It was just crap. I had stayed away from that video. I'd seen a little bit of it. I certainly haven't watched the old nine minutes or anything like that. I'd seen a little bit of it. I knew what happened. I I was perfectly comfortable with declaring it murder. Uh, and, you know, and I think everybody agrees. I saw more of the video yesterday from a certain angle. I've changed my mind completely. It is unconscionable that those other police officers did not tackle that effing guy. Yeah. I mean, the way he was kneeling up, there's no way that's 
possibly even close to the proper way to handle that situation. Nope. Not even close. Right. How those guys didn't tackle him and pull their weapons on him if they had to. The way he was the way he was kneeling on that guy for that long. I, I don't I don't know how you explain that away. Yeah. Well, I think they will probably pay for their uh, their sins. I don't care if you're a rookie, I don't care what. If you're the over the age of like eight, you understood what was happening there. That is horrible. Uh yeah. Yeah, um, this is so... I, I have something really good here, but it's heavy. I'm not sure I'm in the mood. Let's see. How about this here? Right over here. Did I explain how disgusting that Baskin-Robbins ice cream pizza was we had last night? Duh. No knock on Baskin-Robbins. I realize you're not designing it for me. You're designing it for children. How'd the children like it? The children liked it quite was a it bit. Was it like a waffle cone crust? It was a... It's like a cookie crust, It was it? the richest chocolate chip cookie for the crust oh my of the gosh. pizza. Oh, yeah. And then cookie dough ice cream on top with some sort of frosting on that. And oh. then little balls of peanut butter cookie dough. Oh. And it was just all so rich. As an adult, you couldn't eat a bite without... And my wife really likes sweets. And she ate like a half bite and was like... Oh. <laughs> and the, kids, the kids made it through like half a piece. So it was almost too rich for children. It's wow. Des- it's designed for... 20 kids at a birthday party getting a little piece, and it's plenty. Gotcha. I think that's the way they design it. Yeah. That's not yeah. for sitting down with a big bowl of ice cream. Right? Oh, <laughs> oh, my God. Let me get seconds. <laughs> so, uh, uh, folks in uh, Baltimore got their kids uh, doing the online schooling thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the lad who's working his way toward uh, being an Eagle Scout is an archer and uh, is a uh, BB gun enthusiast, et cetera, et cetera. His parents are Navy veterans, et cetera, et cetera. Well, somebody spotted the BB gun and did a screen capture of it as he was doing his homeschool thing, his video conference. And uh, they sent the cops over and the social services and the rest of it to investigate the family. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. I know. Oh, I would be so unhappy with that. Yeah, the cops were not super happy to be sent either. More on that story to come. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Lots of interesting stuff to talk about, no doubt about it. Whether it's defunding the police or the coronavirus on a comeback. Um, We need to talk about the Mott and Bailey uh, style of arguing. It's a fallacy. Um, It's really important because there's a ton of it going on right now with the whole, uh, you know, death of George Floyd, which is unquestionably horrifying and everybody agrees. Um, but then that translates into Black Lives Matter and that organization and all of their goals, and do you support all of the goals? And what about the the lunatics who have taken the six square blocks of Seattle? It gets a little more complicated. Uh, I have this. Uh, you know about Tony Tempa, of course, 32 years old, um, uh, killed by the cops who knelt on his back, even though he said he couldn't breathe. He suffocated. He died, et cetera, et cetera. No, you don't know about that because he was white, even though there's a video of it. Um, and the cops kill a hell of a lot more white people than black people, um, which has nothing to do with, so George Floyd wasn't a problem? No, of course not. And that's kind of an illustration of the Mott and Bailey thing, which how, we'll get to in a minute. But How's the whole body cam thing not helped with that? Uh, sometimes they're turned off. I thought everybody was going to have body cameras on, and then you'd, you'd know that, you know, if you... Yeah, that's a, that's a good topic and one worth of discussing. I want to go ahead and read this, as we promised, but... This is uh, from a uh, 
a former sheriff, um, and and he he goes to some pains to say, listen, I speak for myself, not my department. I won't even mention the name. Um, uh, I'm seeing a lot of general uh, generalities being applied to all cops. Second, I'm going to do my best to remain objective, but I have to be honest. It's a lot harder than usual right now not to get emotional. I've made it a point my entire career to remember that no matter how horrible the things that someone may be yelling at me are, they're talking to the badge and not to me. But it's a little harder to not take it personally when some of your oldest friends are calling you a murdering racist by proxy, especially when working buckets of overtime trying to keep a city from burning down while also trying to make sure that the righteous message of the protests is heard. But, of course, I believe in the underlying message. Most cops believe in that message. We swore an oath to that message that everyone's life matters and that that is especially true for those who have the least and are the most vulnerable. That means, yes, undoubtedly black lives matter. But most of us remember that oath and most of us live it. No one hates bad cops more than good cops. This is in 1933. Corruption isn't rampant. Uh, And he goes into some detail on that. Um, You keep... You keep cutting our funding and asking why our training isn't better. You keep cutting mental health services, then asking why we, the only people who are absolutely required to respond for a call for help, are the ones to respond to a call for help of a mental health crisis. You keep letting people out of jail and being surprised when that somehow doesn't lower crime. You keep telling us not to generate revenue by making traffic stops, then wonder why the roads are so dangerous. You keep calling That's us a good one right there. You keep calling us for problems that are objectively not police problems and then being angry that we either A cannot provide a solution or B provide a police solution. You keep insisting we be everyone everything to everyone at all times and you keep getting mad at us when we are merely human. So yes, let's talk about police reform because in all caps I agree we need it. We need to fund teams of crisis workers who can be called to deal with homelessness and related petty crime, crimes of survival rather than convenience or malice. We need to fund mental health services and fix legislative loopholes and roadblocks so that we can provide help to those who need it. And we need to have a serious discussion about providing some of that help against their will. We need a... Mm, that's, that's, that's where it gets sticky there, yeah. Yeah. We need astoundingly better social services. This, this first part especially, I beg you all to listen. We need many times the number of child welfare caseworkers and caring foster homes. And we need detailed, ongoing follow-up systems for every interaction. Uh, that is so true. The more you learn about the foster uh, system, the more tragic it is. As these kids who've just had terrible lives through no fault of their own um, get you know knocked from home to home to home to whatever, some of them good, some of them bad. Um, and then the minute they turn 18, they're turned loose. They've never held a job. They have no idea how credit cards work. They've never had a role model, maybe, who's had a job. And then all of a sudden, they're on the streets. And the girls are turning tricks, and the guys are selling drugs, and or both, and, and, and the rest of it. It's just terrible. Um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, we need a parole and probation system that isn't just a gotcha program to incrementally jail people, and instead is a real opportunity for caseworkers to work collaboratively with convicts to better their lives. Um, and then he goes on uh, about how a lot of police agencies are understaffed. Um, so th- to me, um, this gets to, we talked about this earlier in the week because I heard a podcast with Tim Carney, who used to be with the Washington Examiner. We used to have him on a lot. And he said this whole defund the police thing might accomplish a lot of conservative goals with AOC pushing it. Uh, because the left is for defending the police, if if it includes some of the things you just read 
of we need some, you know, uh, program for this, for dealing with the mentally ill. People that are experts in that, dealing with the mentally ill instead of the cops. Yeah. Uh, people dealing with the child services and stuff like that instead of the cops getting involved in everything like that. So, yeah, take the money. The, Take whatever money you got to get to 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 fund those things, and that would eliminate a lot of stuff cops do that they're not trained for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that take up a lot of time and money. There's there's some of this stuff that's it's unintentionally kind of funny, but really good. He talks about how you don't ask the English teacher to teach every class in a high school, <clears throat> and uh, and orchestra, coach soccer, football, and run the AV club, and act as the nurse and the entire cafeteria crew. And you keep, and yet you keep insisting that street cops be medics and social workers and soldiers and detectives and counselors and therapists and surrogate parents and lawyers. And we can't, we just can't. So please, please take some of that away from us. <clears throat> please find someone else to respond to the homeless man on the corner. Please find someone else to respond to the suicidal ex-soldier. Please find someone else to make the death notification of the parents of the teenager who just killed herself wow. in a car crash on her way back from prom. Please find someone else to go check on the child who you. Usually plays outside at this time of day, but you haven't seen since his dad got home slamming doors angry. Please find someone else to help his battered, help his battered wife escape her situation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He yeah. gives some more examples. Well, you think of that. You think about finding the kind of human being that can do all those things. That's a that's a heavy lift. Because uh, I was talking about that Wall Street Journal video that that they've got it in the paper today, and you have to subscribe to watch it. But they took all kinds of footage from different cell phones and cameras and everything like that of when the peaceful protests turned ugly and trying to nail down how that all happened, including cops talking to back to dispatchers and the boss talking in and the line's getting closer. What do we do? Do we disperse the tear gas? Blah, blah, blah. And the protester side and everything like that. And you had, and then there was a switch off between the original cops and then the the more um, militarized, geared up guys. And when they came on the line, the way that kind of changed the the, uh, the 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 atmosphere, the vibe. Yeah. The vibe. Yeah, yeah. But so you need the kind of guy that's capable of physically fighting. I'm not that guy. I I don't have the the fighting gene. But you need the kind of guy that's capable of getting into a you know a full on fist fight battle with people who can also show up. To some of the stuff you just talked about there, the really tender, soft stuff. Right. Uh, or be expert with a, psychologists. Yeah, expert yeah. psychologists at a time where you got, oh my God, I mean, that's that's a that's a unique human being that has that entire skill set. Because yeah. most of the people that have some of those don't have the others. That's just a human, we all know that. Right. Yeah. Yep. So just a little bit more of this because it's so good. And and he goes through all those things. Please find someone else to do this and this and this. I'm begging you, please. This is a, a, a sheriff. But until you do, until you do, we'll keep coming every time you call. And we'll keep doing our best with the tools you've given us and the system you've built for us. We'll keep showing up because no one else, no one effing else is required to. We're the only ones in our entire society who are duty-bound and sworn to show up when you call, no matter how little we want to or how poorly we are trained for that situation. And I am deeply, profoundly sorry that we aren't good enough. I am heartbroken that when one of us makes a fatal mistake or has a catastrophic lapse in judgment, and I'm ashamed to my core that some of us turned bad or maybe always were bad, and the rest of us didn't catch it in time. Uh, And and he goes on saying, um, we know the system's broken. Trust us, we know it needs to be broken. I'm saying we know it's broken, it needs to be fixed for F's sake. We probably know it's broken better than you. 
Yes, we have to do better. I know most of us do. Most of us want to, but so do you. Yes, you. We all do. We have to do it together. Otherwise, we've wasted this. All of this passion and all of this energy and all this hate and all this destruction and all of this terror and all this momentum and all this bleak, bitter, poisonous, wonderful hope will be for nothing. And none of us can afford for that to be the case. That's, How eloquent is that? That's the best thing I've heard uh, since this whole thing started from that side of the conversation. That that needs national attention. I right. don't know how we elevate. We're, we're on nationally, but I don't know how. I don't know how you elevate that to. That needs to be you know read on the front page of the New York Times and let people discuss. And there is a terrible problem with racism virtually everywhere on earth. Um, and there are plenty of racist cops, but if we make this about race, we will lose all of the rest of that. You know what that reminded me of on a very small level and why it would be so difficult? If you've ever done this as a parent where you're like, you bust your ass all day long. You're taking care of them. You're doing this. You're cleaning up that. And then one of them complains about something. Oh, yeah. And you, and you just think, I've spent my entire day doing nothing but make your life better. You child. <laughs> You're complaining that it's not quite good enough. Right. Uh, this little aspect of it. It'd be times a million if you're a cop. Yeah. You you that day, you had to go tell some parents that their kid committed suicide or you you, you came across a, a dead body or wh- whatever you had to deal with. And then somebody screams at you that you're not good enough yeah. after all that all day long. Right. It'd, be, it'd be tough to keep it together. Yep. Yep. That's a tough one. Yeah, that's some eloquent stuff and really uh, well, well said. And... uh you know, uh, I think it dovetails nicely with our discussion of the Mott and Bailey style of arguing that you're getting a lot of from the activists here. It's a, it's a couple of terms that have to do with castles, and Jack will explain it expertly uh, in a moment. I don't know about expertly. For, but for those who like Jack talking about Bitcoin, stick around for this. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. This is That's substantially exactly right. better than the Bitcoin thing, <laughs> which ain't a high bar. Yeah, it better be. <laughs> Get your words straight, Jack. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I think, Scott, the players were very excited about playing. And then the details have really been shared with all of them in the last three or four days, and they're just a little shocked. Um, They're just in a little bit of a state of, wow, I didn't know we were only going to be allowed to go here. I didn't know we were going to be seven weeks until I can see my wife or my girlfriend. Uh, I didn't know that I'm going to be restricted to these buses and this movement. I do think that they'll come around. I didn't know that either. So apparently that was the plan behind the scenes with the whole NBA playoffs all playing in one place. Kind of a lo- on lockdown. And that's over. So you don't think it'll happen? Now? Forget it. Unless they can import, I don't know, COVID-compliant sex workers or something like that. Yeah, I'm, baseball is tearing itself apart. They're not going to play. Uh, the NBA thought they had a plan. We'll see. I don't. This is this is such a drag. Ugh. So I spent about an hour and a half on a podcast yesterday with James Lindsay, who I find fascinating. Man, if you haven't done any of his YouTube videos or podcasts or anything like that, follow him on the Twitter machine. His stuff on critical race theory and and everything that's going on, the the wokeness culture on college campuses, and he's a he's a super lefty, by the way. Um, but he's well, it's 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 postmodern, as he says. We are now. Anti-science, anti-reason. We're going away from the Enlightenment. We're going the other direction. Right. 
going oh. back to primitive tribalism. In, in, you know, it's a fringe movement, but it's powerful and it's got a head of steam. And it's all in the idea of being more fair and diverse and all these kind of different things. But they're, but they're ignoring reality. Um, anyway, he did a whole podcast yesterday, an hour and a half, on the uh, the premise of Mott and Bailey, which I think I've heard people say before, but I never took the time to Google what it was. And even if I had, I'm not sure I would have understood it unless I had it described to me by a, uh, a professor. And it's a, uh, it's a style of arguing. It's a rhetorical flourish that happens all the time. You've either done it or, 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 or been on the other end of it, and it's happening right now with all kinds of cases. It comes from old-timey castle talk, with the Mott being the most defendable position you can have. You're perfectly safe in that position. And the Bailey being out and less defendable, but that's where you want to get. You'd like to expand your, expand your Mott out to the Bailey and have that be a good defendable position. Fans of the Lord of the Rings will recognize this from fleeing to the inner part of the castle when the uh, orcs overrun the courtyard and the, the more open parts of the yeah. castle. How's it get to rhetoric? Well, so if you get into, if you're trying to accomplish a goal, um, I hate to give examples because people get locked in, but a political goal of some sort, you start with stuff that's very easily defendable. Your mot, and you and you get the other person invested in building the mot. And maybe the mot is racial justice, or uh, you know, cops not uh, treating black people poorly or murdering them or whatever. Sure, everybody's in agreement on that. Mm-hmm. And you spend a lot of time on the mot and get that good b- built up and sturdy, and everybody's invested. And then you transfer to the Bailey portion, which is less easily defended, but people are so invested in the Mott that they have a tendency to not check you on the the crazier stuff. Right. For instance, uh, protesters in the street, I think this is a good for instance, he didn't use this podcast predates the, the murder in Minneapolis, so he wasn't talking about that at all. He was talking about all kinds of other different stuff. Uh, but I think it it works with this race stuff. The mot would be for the media and a lot of people making the argument. Um, obviously, uh, more racial justice and policing, all that sort of stuff. Oh, I'm invested in that, and I'll, I'll help you build that mot. Who could the, be against that? The Bailey would be in this case d- d- eliminating police departments or being allowed to smash buildings and steal everything from the store, or turning loose all the convicts or something like that. But I've gotten so invested in the part of your argument that I agree with that I'm hesitant to point out the part I don't agree with. And it just works. It just does psychologically. You know, I was reading this uh, web page on it. I wanted to learn more about it. And they make a really good point, too. It kind of works in the other way, too. When someone attacks the the Bailey, the courtyard, the wackier ideas, they retreat to the mock. Absolutely. So you're denying there's racial injustice? Absolutely. Very good point. And he made that point over and over again. That's what you do. As soon as you're attacked in your indefensible Bailey, you retreat to your mock and get people on their heels. Wait a second. Right. Wait a second. I thought you 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 don't agree that murdering poli- white policemen, murdering black people is bad? And you immediately are... You can't attack them because they're in a perfectly defendable mot. Right. Um, right. And then it's back out to the Bailey again, and you're a little on your heels and hesitant to bring it up again. Right. Because you're right. getting you know boiling oil poured on your head as you try to climb up oh, their, their mot. I would hate that. What sort of debates are these? <laughs> I'm you know, going back and forth with my metaphors oh, okay. <laughs> of the castle and whatnot. Great example. You got an overworked uh, mom. She you know she's just busting her butt for the family. Maybe she got a paying gig, whatever, all day long and. 
and 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 she's breaking down. You you agree? You know, she's got to have time for herself for fun. She's got to let off some steam now and again. And so you agree? You know what? You're right. I'll take care of the kids a couple hours a week, and then uh, and then uh, you know. Uh, before long, she's uh, going out dancing and clubbing, you know, m- most nights. And then uh, she uh, she has a boyfriend on the side. <laughs> and you say, listen, honey, I can't help but notice you're uh, y- y- you're having sex with another guy. And she says, what? I'm not allowed to have fun. We agreed I'm allowed to have fun. That's her mot. What? But you're, I mean, you're like yeah. in Plot front twist, of the kids. <laughs> the guy's name is Bailey. Oh, no. <laughs> But I got to say, I thought it was an interesting thing to learn. I guess it's a, a centuries-old uh, uh, political way of arguing, and it's it's very effective. It's 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 worked on me in personal relationships and politics and at work. Yeah, all, all kinds of things, and I've done it to people without even understanding the concept. Well, and the white people being made to kneel in the streets are they're great uh, victims of this because <clears throat> I mean, if your mot is the argument that there are really bad people, and they look like you. And you think, yeah, there are, there are some bad people who are white and the rest of it. And then then they go outward toward all white people are bad, and you have the original sinner race and blah, blah, blah. People, especially people of weak will, are already backpedaling so hard. There's no way they dig in their heels and say at that moment, whoa, you've gone too far. With all due respect, and I agree with you on a lot of stuff, you're wrong on this. I'm challenging you. Because the zeitgeist, well, it's more than just the feeling of the time. It is, you will lose your job if you do that. So people are terrified. They're backpedaling like mad. Uh, they're going to be uh, out of the mot, through the Bailey, and out into the countryside, ideologically, before yeah. you know it. And then you got Antifa stand in Seattle where they've declared themselves an independent country, which will fall apart in roughly 72 hours, in my opinion, oh, as they're got, already at each other's throats. we got to get back into that next hour. Do we, we have time for my moat and drawbridge defense? <laughs> I, I wish we did, uh, Sir Talks-A-Lot. Maybe, we just, uh... maybe next hour. Armstrong and Getty.